Hi, I'm Sparrow. And I'm Stitch. And I'm Tony the Disney Dad from the Disney Discussions Podcast. And you're listening to the The Jedi Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. The podcast that doesn't make you feel like a jerk. Welcome to episode 48 of the Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Tom, who is back after a long stint of uh, being off enjoying himself in the, uh, I guess, the Caribbean, Western Caribbean into the Panama Canal, correct? Uh, That is where I was. I was on exile away from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast for a while, although I have to say it was not a bad place to be, but it's always a pleasure to be back on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Well, I feel like I'm getting back to some sort of normalcy, which is a good thing with all the craziness going on in the world. This is uh, this is how we started this podcast, and this is where I feel the most comfortable. So always great to have you on the show. And uh, for those of you who are keeping track, we are recording this episode on Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. So uh, we're going to jump into our main topic today right away. uh, And that is going to be talking a little bit about uh, Clone Wars Season 7 and that first four episode arc uh, that constituted what we're calling the, the Bad Batch arc. Uh, which actually was kind of a cool callback to some of the earlier Clone Wars episodes uh, in the sense that we got to see some of the Bad Batch in those earlier episodes. But at this point, we are starting to kind of close in on the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, And certainly, Tom, I would say this is something that many of us Clone Clone Wars fans have been waiting for for quite some time. Well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, it was rumored for a long time that this uh, group was going to exist, that they were going to be out there. Uh, they were getting ready to put that into the season that de- ended up being canceled. So they only were able to put together a portion of it. Uh, I have not seen the footage, but apparently they showed it at one point, even at uh, Star Wars Celebration, I believe it was 2015, uh, kind of a quick clip of what they had been working on before it all got shut down. So I know people were excited for when this uh, was announced that the Bad Batch was going to be uh, part of the new released uh, last season of the Clone Wars. And uh, really, it, it lived up to the hype, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly. And uh, there was so we'll get into it in a little bit. But there were some fun little nods to Disney that snuck into uh, at least one of the episodes that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, just to kind of bring everyone up to speed with what happened within this with this 
four story arc. And my goal here is really not to explain everything that happened, but to kind of talk about some of the big takeaways, some of the things that really jumped out at us about uh, that first portion of season seven and uh, kind of how it impacts the the development of some of our key characters, uh, kind of who we we know, you know, for instance, with Anakin, we know where he's headed. Um, and we've seen kind of that progression through the first six uh, episodes or the first five and change, which uh, that season six was kind of an interesting, you know, lost missions type uh, season. But within the earlier episodes of the Clone Wars, you could definitely see that progression of Anakin getting more and more dark, especially after Ahsoka had walked away from the Order. And, um, you know, this arc certainly doubles down on that uh, with with his progression in this four episode series. Yeah, especially right at the end there, you could really see a glimpse of of Anakin and uh, where that edge was and you know, where the line was drawn in. Was he crossing over it? Mm-hmm. Not that he hasn't in the past. He's done it many times, uh, not only in the films, but also, of course, in the Clone Wars. We've seen it uh, very often. But, yeah, uh, you could see that edge. And I mean, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at my uh, computer here now, and it's, it's got a picture that's kind of publicizing uh, the new season of Clone Wars. And there's Anakin there, and he kind of got this sneer look kind of that in the shadowing it, it is very much not just shadowing it is foreshadowing right. of what's to come for him for sure yeah you can definitely see that on his face so uh really this story uh begins on a planet called anaxis with a, a campaign that's being undertaken by the republic and of course they're in battle with the separatists um so the separatists are trying to capture the main production facility for the Republic's fleet. Uh, and you've got Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan along with uh, Commander Cody and Captain Rex, who are uh, clone commandos that lead various uh, groups of troops for both Anakin Skywalker and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, respectively. Uh, and they're talking about the fact, especially with Rex, that that the separatist droid army is basically clearly doing something to predict his strategies. He's kind of the master strategist for the clones and they are taking on more and more losses, which is very unusual at this point in the clone wars. Uh, and Rex's theory here is that the only way they could possibly be countering his strategy would be if they had some insight into his mind. Uh, and since he knows they don't have that directly, his theory is that they've somehow managed to get Intel from, uh, Echo, who was his kind of co-strategist and a uh, member of his squad that had died earlier on in the Clone Wars, um, kind of uh, tragically. So they undertake a plan to to in, uh, to invade the cyber center that uh, exists behind the Separatist lines and try to figure out where this intel is coming from. And that really kicks off uh, this arc uh, and leads up to us meeting the Bad Batch themselves. Yeah, it was really interesting. I just delved right into it. I was kind of wondering how they would approach uh, getting back into Clone Wars Season 7. You know, would they kind of reintroduce the characters to you? Would you have a little bit of, uh, you know, exposure to them in case you have not been watching in the past? But no, they went right into it. You should know who these characters are and got into the depth of what was basically had been happening in the storyline. And uh, the fact that they, they're in this this time within the Clone Wars where the Republic is struggling. Yes, they're, they seem like uh, every move they make, uh, the Separatists are, are two steps ahead of them. And so, you know, Rex, of course, is wondering why this happens. And the only person he can think of that uh, could possibly know 
uh, exactly what their strategy would be that worked so closely with them would be Echo. So he, you know, they're thinking, oh, you're, you're crazy. There's no way he died back in the Citadel or whatever it was. And uh, he is convinced. And uh, obviously, you know, it, we go from there. Yeah. The interesting thing here uh, as well is that Rex is essentially in command of one of the key groups of uh, soldiers in the 501st under Anakin Skywalker. And uh, there generally had been a lot of trust between the two of them. But this idea that Rex thinks that Echo may still be alive when they couch this idea to invade the, uh, you know, the Intel Center for the Separatists and Anakin kind of suspects that that Rex is leaving something out. He definitely does not point out that he thinks Echo is still alive. And Anakin clearly senses that, but Rex is uh, sort of, did, you know, doesn't want to confide in Anakin. And I thought that was interesting just because I don't know if it's just that he thought that Anakin would think he was losing his mind or if it's kind of a hint that uh, he's beginning to subconsciously uh, distrust Anakin a little bit or, or hesitate to share all of his thoughts with him, uh, which kind of leads to some things that we may see down the line in the season. Well, I, I, right off the bat from this episode, you know that he's kind of keeping in one of Anakin's secrets. Uh, yeah. He is kind of standing guard for him as he is in, I guess this is a spoiler. We're giving him the spoilers for the episode. So we're just going to go ahead and go into this yeah. where he is connecting with, with Padme, his wife at this time, they are married at this point. Uh, and he kind of blocking for, uh, for Anakin so he can make contact with her. And yeah, there's some other interesting news came out of this, which I found fascinating out of that episode as well in regards to Obi-Wan and that whole situation. Yeah. Well, why don't you go into that a little bit and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Obi-Wan because certainly when he is sitting there, you know, guarding the, uh, the door from Anakin, uh, and that communication he's having with Padme and Obi-Wan comes walking up and he's kind of wondering where Anakin is and Rex is kind of having to, 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 uh, you know, keep him from from entering this room because he doesn't want to give away this secret. Um, and Obi-Wan certainly uh, has a strange reaction to that. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a flippant comment almost, but it was really impactful comment on the fact that Obi-Wan says, you know, uh, you know, say hi to Padme for me or something along those lines. I've, I've watched it so many weeks ago, yeah. unfortunately, I don't remember the exact line. Uh, but it showed the fact that he was kind of in the know that Anakin was at least in major contact with Padme, if not in more of a relationship than that. And, you know, as far as we knew watching the films anyway, uh, it wasn't really known that that there was a significant relationship with it, between Anakin and Padme more than there. Maybe they had a closer friendship than expected. But uh, that kind of you know, really told the tale of that. You know, Obi-Wan is kind of knows what's going on and is also. Uh, keeping the secret himself. Yeah, and I mean, that goes back to what we've learned in, in previous seasons of The Clone Wars, which is that Obi-Wan certainly had feelings for Duchess Satine uh, of Mandalore and it appeared that those uh, feelings were reciprocated, but Obi-Wan, you know, was such a, a perfect Jedi that he didn't allow that to go past a certain point and he honored his vows to the Jedi Order and, and very much... Um, you know, held himself back from fully realizing that relationship. And it's almost, 
it's almost like in his mind he can't comprehend that Anakin would would step over that line. So I do think it's you know it's definitely uh, clearly stated that he knows that there is a, some sort of relationship between Anakin and Padme, and you know we do see that he he figures it out within uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, but I think that is really the moment when he understands that that oh my God he really did cross this line. Yeah, it was it's it, it was fascinating and it was a very flippant comment that was just kind of almost passing, but I thought it was one of the most impactful things we saw and it, and it happened right off the, the to the beginning of the of of season 7. Uh thought was it really fascinating and it, you know leading to as we know, we are very close to Revenge of the Sith in, in the timeline now in, in Star Wars. So, uh you as you said we can definitely see some things changing with Anakin. We know that his relationship is at a boiling point with Padme. Uh, Ahsoka's been gone for uh, you know who knows how long to this point. Uh it's all coming to a head as we head into the back half of this season seven for sure absolutely so uh really at this point you know they're getting ready to undertake their mission and there's a conversation between cody and rex about you know who's who's going with us and they start talking about it the fact that it's going to be clone force 99 or this group that's quote-unquote called the bad batch i've heard mixed things about these guys they have a 100 success rate it's not that they win, it's how they win that worries me. Repeat, coming in hot on platform TT-397. So why haven't I heard of this squad? Experimental Unit Clone Force 99. The defective clones with, uh, desirable mutations. 99, eh? Huh, nice touch. They call themselves the Bad Batch. And so this is really a group of clone troopers that that were defective, but their defects were essentially desirable mutations. Uh, so they were things that actually gave them special skills. And I believe this is the same group that we dealt with earlier in the Clone Wars, watching um, you know them being trained as clones, and they really had a hard time kind of figuring out how to work together. Uh, they were certainly very different than the other clones, um, and that. Clone uh, Force 99 is a reference to an older defective clone who laid his life down for them uh, during an assault by the Separatists on Camino when they were still there. So um, it's kind of honoring the fact that, you know, this defective clone who they were sort of dismissive of at the time um, really had, you know, at his core uh, what it what it took to be a a clone commando. Um, and so this group is very specialized. You've got, uh, the leader who's a, a guy named Sergeant Hunter, um, Wrecker, who's their strongman assault, uh, specialist. They've got Crosshair, who's their sniper. And then tech, who's uh, super smart, um, tech specialist, who's got this kind of cool helmet with all this, uh, different functionality built into his heads up display. And then they fly around in a gunship called the Havoc Marauder. So, uh, definitely they stand out. They've all got a scar 
skull kind of emblazoned on their uh, clone armor, which sets them apart. They are clearly um, different, uh, much different than all the other clones. You can see hints of, you know, that that core clone DNA, uh, but they are all specialized in very obvious ways. And uh, you can even tell that they kind of hold themselves above the other clones because they refer to them as the regs. So uh, in sort of a dismissive and, you know, talking down sort of way. So interesting group of characters um, that we hadn't seen in quite some time, but uh, they clearly had a hundred percent success rate in their missions and were very desirable in a situation like this. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, the cloners at uh, Camino, they obviously would do some things with the DNA to make sure that uh, the clones would uh, be able to be, you know, a little more controllable, a little more docile. They would do some things with the DNA that way. They'd also do some things with the DNA to, you know, in, uh, make the aging process move along more quickly. So, you know, the whole, these forces could be grown more uh, at a, an advanced rate so they could build the army uh, that much more quickly. But uh, they also tried to do some things as well and apparently you know some things didn't quote grow exactly right as you talked about uh 99 who was kind of had some uh issues with some of the modifications he had and just really was not uh, up for duty although he ended up becoming kind of a hero in some s- situations as basically the janitor at, at on, uh, right. the Camino uh, base there uh, and, and kind of helped uh, in a lot of ways so much so that they kind of uh, gave this tribute to him by naming this uh, Force Clone Force 99 but yeah you look at uh, these as far as the Bad Batch themselves um, they they have some change not only do they have these very specialized skills with each one of them they all don't exactly look the same similar to what the other clones look like i mean yes there are some obvious uh, parts of them that look similar to other clones but they don't exactly look the same like the the, the regs as they call them like you mentioned rob right uh they also have their voices are slightly different as well which you as you know and if, if you've heard one clone before this you've heard them all uh, but that was definitely not the case with them but it's interesting when you took take all the different pieces they're kind of their uh, their, their specialized mutation that they all had and you know if you put them all together you know the super strength the uh, uh, the enhanced uh, mental capacity you know the uh, the dead eye shot and, and you know the heightened sense if you put them all together that's kind of like one big super soldier instead they're just kind of using all those pieces together and once they learn to to use them to mesh them well uh, to make this one super force of just you know basically a band of four yeah and uh you know not only were they very unique but uh their their competition in this particular episode and in this particular arc was quite unique as well so they were up against uh one of the master strategists of the separatists by the name of admiral trench uh he would look to most people like a giant spider um he had some droid uh, appendages kind of on his left side due to some damage that he had uh, taken in earlier seasons of the clone wars when anakin skywalker had thought that he had uh, destroyed him aboard his flagship the invincible uh he was a uh, species called a harch um and he was a male about two meters tall uh and he again like i said was a master strategist he was certainly one of the um one of the forces within the separatists that had caused issues for the republic uh and the jedi in the past and so it was uh, very appropriate to see him show up in a in a situation where clearly the republic was struggling against the separatists here yeah, time and again, he would show up uh, within the original 
uh, run of the Clone Wars and would be a, a kind of a, that, uh, you know, that that uh, stick in the toe, whatever you want to call it, uh, thorn in the side of of the uh, various uh, Republic forces. So, yeah, not surprised that he would show back up. And he is such an interesting character, even just from the way he talks, the way he looks. It is a, it's a fascinating foe for them to be facing right off the bat. Yeah. So, you know, again, I said I wasn't going to go through everything uh, spot by spot within the episode. I don't want to completely ruin it if people haven't seen it. I think that, you know, the things you were talking about earlier being quote-unquote spoilers, um, you know, we know that that Padme was pregnant and a lot of that stuff I, I don't necessarily consider super spoilery. But um, the interesting thing that kind of comes out of this episode is that like I said, the uh, the Bad Batch was very dismissive of the regular clone troopers, especially, you know, Rex and Cody, uh, who were the primary ones they were interacting with here. But throughout this episode, you kind of see them start to develop a respect for Rex in the sense that, uh, you know, he is very driven. He doesn't have some of the advantages that they have. He's willing to adapt his strategy um, and kind of see that the way that the, uh, the Clone Force 5 commandos were approaching their attacks on the separatists where they were just kind of full head on assault um, and they used their specialized abilities to give them a huge advantage. Uh, you know, Rex was very uh, adaptable to kind of taking on some of those strategies himself. And I think that plus his, uh, you know, his, his, stra- his strategic genius um, and just the way that he went about uh, handling himself in a situation where he did not have the advantages that many of these soldiers had uh, caused them to look at him in an entirely new light by the end of the episode. Yeah, no question about that. It was interesting uh, in many regards as you went throughout these episodes because of the fact to begin with, uh, yeah, the the uh, the Bad Batch, you know, Force 99, whatever you want to call them, obviously they looked down on a lot of the regular, the regs clone troopers as regs. They, they saw that they weren't didn't have the abilities that they had. However, it was also on the other side as well. They saw, you know, many of the clone troopers saw this group as just, you know, they would do things on their own they they would not follow orders and they were that's why they were really tough to work with because uh you know, they, you couldn't really command them the way you expected to Yes, they would be, uh, very successful in whatever they did, but you know, it could be at the, uh, the, the problems for the, the rest of the group. The fact that when they're doing their own thing, where that's not what the clones have done in the past, they are very much into following orders, uh, following the commands and making sure things happen in a, in a certain way. So obviously these two sides, uh, you know, they're, they're the way of thinking would collide with one another. And, uh, but as you, as you saw, they went through these episodes and gained more respect on each side for each other and eventually meshed very well as we progress through this, this arc that we went through. Yeah. And so ultimately, you know, uh, the, the finale of this particular episode, um, revolves around them getting into this, uh, this, intelligence center of the separatist army and tracking down uh, the signal from where this intel is coming from to a planet called Skako Minor. Um, and Rex basically asks 
for the the source of this transmission to send uh, that uh, the identity of the person behind it, and it comes back as CT1409, which was Echo's uh, operating number. So that is certainly a shock to Rex. Um, it sets up a very exciting second episode. So the real question is, you know, if this is Echo's, if this is not some kind of a ploy by the separatists to draw them into a trap, how would he have survived uh, his supposed death in an explosion at the Citadel in an earlier season of the Clone Wars? Um, and, and I think it was a great cliffhanger to leave this episode on. I agree with that. It was it it, it was so funny because uh, when I got to the end of this episode, and I know like the week before, maybe two weeks before that, I had talked about how uh, I enjoyed Disney Plus, uh, you know, with the Mandalorian going back to kind of the water cooler series where you would have a week in between to kind of uh, go through and talk about the episode and, you know, kind of discuss what had happened and maybe watch it again, whatever, before you got to the next episode. But I had gotten so used to watching the Clone Wars in binge format. Like I was ready to go right to the next episode at that point, right. especially when they left you on such a cliffhanger. So it was a little weird for me to adjust to that at that moment. But I, you know, funny thing is because I got away for a couple of weeks, I, I was able to watch the next episode, got away for a couple of weeks, and then I was able to binge the next few. <laughs> so I kind of got, still got that in me uh, once we got back from this trip yeah uh, so that basically leads us into the into the next episode and actually uh if i i thought it was in the first episode but it was in this one um where anakin basically uh is the one using captain rex's helmet to contact padme um oh, that's kind of early bad. on i know and i was in the same boat i i had forgotten that as well i haven't seen these nearly as many times as i've seen the other episodes um so, you know, they're waiting for their permission to to take off on this rescue mission to Skako Minor and waiting for that to get approved by the, uh, you know, the upper echelons of uh, the Jedi Command. And uh, eventually they do get that uh, permission. They, they head off, uh, Force 99, uh, Anakin Skywalker this time, and Rex all head off uh, to rescue Echo. Um, and so one of the funniest things that happened early on in this episode is kind of as they're en route, uh, you've got Wrecker in the back, uh, kind of doing power lifts with a gonk droid with one hand and eating a turkey leg with the other, uh, which is one of those great little, uh, Disney nods that I, I thought they slipped in. Yeah. Uh, who knew, who knew they had turkey legs out there in deep space, uh, you know, out there in a galaxy far, far away, but uh, I don't know. I guess that makes sense. Now, if you if you see somebody when you're in Batu and they're eating a turkey leg, uh, you know, no, I mean, it, it fits in with the situation. It's canon now, right? So, <laughs> so they eventually arrive on Skako Minor. Uh, it's in, inhabited by people called the uh, Politex, and they fly around in these uh, large reptiles called Kiridak. So um, they get there. A Kiridak immediately attacks a ship with its rider on its back, uh, takes Anakin, you know, flies away with him. Uh, and the clone troopers uh, basically attempt to save Anakin. Uh, that attempt fails. You know, he gets carried off. And they have to track him down to this village uh, where these uh, Politex are basically holed up and convince them to help them uh, in their mission, which is to infiltrate. Uh, the keys, the main city here called Perkhole, which is uh, run by a character that we do know from both the earlier Clone Wars episodes as well as the films called Wat Tambor, who is kind of the head of the Techno Union, uh, and his separatists are, are basically uh, holed up in this facility where this signal is coming from that they believe to be Echo. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe to try to get into that. Uh, that command center essentially, but yeah, they, they kind of figure out where it is 
and uh, they go for it. And uh, wow, it really takes off. I mean, the, the episode was the first episode was really interesting, but this it, it just goes from here on out. I mean, drama, uh, the turmoil that they have to to get through. You know, it's total serial Star Wars at its finest as you as you go through these next few episodes. Yeah, the other great thing about this episode is right there at the beginning when Anakin uh, gets captured by this Kiradak and flown away, he of course drops his lightsaber. So once again, we're right back to uh, the reason that Obi-Wan is constantly telling him, you know, this weapon is your life. Um, clearly, this is an ongoing theme with Anakin and his inability to hold on to his weapon. Yeah, running joke uh, that always comes to fruition uh, throughout to both the films and definitely the Clone Wars. I mean, it happens all the time. It happens all the time to Obi-Wan as well, by the way, which is even more, even funnier for me. I, I, I really enjoy it when Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber from time to time as well. Yeah. The other uh, kind of cool thing that we see within this episode is a new type of droid, um, which are called, they're, they're uh, what's called D-Wing air support droids. You really don't know that they're air support droids when you first see them, uh, I was watching this with my son and he's like, where are those droids coming from? I've never seen them before. They look really weird. Um, so when they, when they do finally show, uh, not even in this episode, I believe it's the next episode where it's revealed that they can actually fly. Uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, kind of cool to see a new type of droid developed, uh, the B1 and B2 battle droids that you generally see in most of the episodes uh, do get, you know, it's hard to believe that they would fight this entire war and not come up with a larger assortment of droids than uh, typically what we've seen over the course of a couple of movies and uh, certainly at this point, you know, many seasons of The Clone Wars. Sure, the Jurassic droids. Yeah, uh, that's had a the great, biggest kick out of <laughs> great name sophomore. for it. <laughs> Like, you know, George Lucas was talking to Steven Spielberg on this one, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we do get some interesting kind of insights into uh, Clone Force 99 over the course of this mission. Uh, definitely the the way that Wrecker is completely overplayed. He's always bummed out if he misses a fight. Um, there's one point where they, uh, the you know, the rest of the troops end up going to the top of this tower and they take out all these droids and Wrecker had kind of stayed behind to deal with a different group of them. And he comes up, realizes they're all gone. And he's like, Oh, I missed all the fun, you know? Uh, so he's totally over the top. And it, it, it was funny how his character uh, progressed for me because initially I was annoyed a little bit by it, but it totally grew on me over the course of this four uh, episode arc. Very Hulk smash yeah. uh, type yeah. character for <laughs> sure, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's funny. And the, you know, there was even one part at the end is like, I got this just for record and I won't give it away. But yeah. <laughs> Really, really enjoyable part of the, one of the final episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other one of the other kind of funny thing that you realize they're not funny, but interesting things about the uh, <clears throat> the Bad Batch that you see over the first couple of episodes is that uh, Hunter is highly predisposed to using his vibro knife instead of his blaster in a lot of situations. So he really likes to get in there close and kind of uh, take droids apart with his vibro blade. And it's, uh, it's definitely a different approach than you see with the clones uh, in most battle situations. See, I love crosshair and, uh, you know, him putting yeah. out that, like the, the mirrors everywhere. Oh yeah. And he take like that one shot and take out like 60 droids. Yep. <laughs> that was one of my favorite uh, little tricks that they were able to pull off in the bad batch. Yeah. And, uh, so basically by the end of this episode, they do find out that, that, uh, whereas initially they were thinking maybe it was somehow that echoes consciousness had been downloaded into a computer or something along those lines. They actually find echo himself. 
he's got all these um, kind of mechanical replacements for various limbs that he had lost in the explosion. He has a lot of uh, different t- pieces of technology embedded in his head. Uh, and he's ve- basically jacked right into the computer system. And they are accessing his brain kind of against his will to use him to offset Captain Rex. Uh, so, you know, that that was kind of uh, a tough thing to see for a character that was as beloved as Echo was. He was part of, uh, you know, Rex's group throughout most of the Clone Wars um, and was a character that you really got to, to know and have a connection to. Um, and in this case, you know, it's it's kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing for what's going to happen to Anakin, how he's going to have his humanity stripped away and largely be replaced uh, by machine parts. We see very much the same thing with that, uh, with Echo. Very much so. And yeah, I mean, we see him progress from basically, if you, if you watch the entire Clone Wars, basically from a cadet and, and growing uh, with within the Republic Army itself, uh, you know, into this very formidable and a very beloved, as you mentioned, Rob, uh, member of the uh, 501st. Uh, so it really to, to see this happen to him, to basically be plugged into the matrix for lack of a better term, yeah. um, you know, with all the tubes and everything. And just to see how much, how thin he was, how gaunt he was, uh, you know, just really struggled. And yes, I agree with you. I think we've seen in the past. You know, when you look at General Grievous and kind of where they've done with him in uh, both the Clone Wars and, of course, in the films, how he's kind of this little bit of organic mass into this giant robotic shell, uh, that kind of I'm like, okay, well, this is a precursor to what's going to happen to Anakin as well. And um, I definitely think this is another piece of foreshadowing here as well with Echo, like you just brought up. Yeah. Uh, So that is basically where episode two leaves off and where episode three picks up. So. At this point, episode three is largely about them escaping this techno union facility with Echo in tow uh, and getting him back to the Republic, uh, both, you know, which serves two purposes. It, it serves to strip away the intelligence uh, that had been used used by the separatists to kind of offset the Republic's battle tactics. Uh, but on a more personal level, certainly with Rex, it was about saving his friend. And, you know, the, he butts heads against the uh, the members of, of the Bad Batch in the sense that, you know, they're like, well, he's kind of, he's used up, he's no good anyway, just leave him behind. And Rex, uh, takes a huge exception to that, um, which again, I think this is one of those things that really makes the Bad Batch start to look at him with different eyes and and feel a lot of uh, respect for him. Yeah, and I, you know, no one should be left behind, essentially, yeah. and I, I believe kind of within their small group, I, I kind of feel that that's the way, uh, you know, uh, the Bad Batch Clone Force 99 kind of feels about themselves is that they're not going to leave their own members anywhere behind. And so when they see him not just follow orders, when they see Rex um, come through for a friend, uh, yeah, I, I do believe that that definitely changed their perspective on him uh, significantly. Yeah. Um, and as part of their escape, uh, one of the things that they end up doing is they get trapped in this lab. Uh, where they have found Echo and they kind of have to lock all the exits to uh, prevent the droids from coming in and attacking them. Uh, and Wat Tambor ends up sending in this specialized device called a decimator, uh, which is basically a, a prototype droid that was capable of just eliminating all organic life. Um, they, uh, the members of the Bad Batch, uh, Rex, Echo, they all managed to escape up through a ventilation shaft before that device got unleashed. Um, and 
certainly Wat Tambor uh, threw his own little temper tantrum over the fact that they had escaped because he considered Echo very much his little personal science experiment um, and he wanted him back. So uh, this episode is is kind of the uh, the big escape episode of the, the four series arc or the four episode arc. Um, and we get a little bit more of, uh, of an insight into some of Echo's capabilities within this episode as well. This ventilation corridor acts as a cooling system for all the computers in the facility. How did you know it was up here, Echo? Well, they got access to my memory. But I got access to the Techno Union database. All their plans, inventory, building schematics, everything. You mean you can find us a safe way out of here? Well, there is a way. <sighs> but you're not gonna like it. Yeah, uh, you know... Uh, get to see a little piece of how he can uh, kind of work his way within the system. Now he's uh, he, he's part droid, part human. He knows, or part clone, I should say, he knows, uh, you know, kind of what he's been patched into the separatist uh, mainframe essentially for so long. So he kind of knows what's going on in there. And But however, there is some speculation, okay, like he has been on that side for how long? Uh, what's going on with him? Is he okay? Is he on our side? Uh, we have to wait and see. Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting because one of the mechanical replacements for one of his missing limbs was a uh, data port, uh, a data terminal access uh, device, which is the same thing you see R2-D2 inserting into all the various ports and kind of twisting it around uh, in order to access data. So one of these uh, data devices has, has essentially replaced Echo's arm. So that's how he's interfacing with the system. But like you said, I mean, there, and, and I thought that they played it up. There's some very subtle moments in this episode where you see Echo take on an, uh, an expression kind of when no one else is looking and you're wondering if he's kind of plotting against them. Uh, so they do a great job of, of kind of building that suspense where you're not really sure if they've rescued a friend or just someone who has the face of a friend uh, but is still being compromised, you know, based on the fact that he's been conditioned over the course of this prolonged capture. Right. But of course, uh, Rex believes in him the entire time. This is his friend, uh, you know, showing more and more that he is not your typical clone trooper that is just, again, following orders. Uh, something, again, is going to uh, play a part uh, as we move forward uh, throughout the rest of this season. I think you're going to see with Rex some interesting maneuvers that maybe weren't typical to clones uh, going through this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even the, the Bad Bash themselves, you know, they're questioning what side are you really on? but Rex believed in him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that we kind of get to see in this episode is, you know, tech, like I said, he's got this, uh, this HUD built into his, into his helmet. It's very distinctive, uh, in comparison to all the other clone troopers and even the members of the bad batch. And he's already shown that he can do translations, um, which, you know, is something that, that comes in handy w uh, when dealing with the Prolitex, but are the Politex, but, um, this episode lets you see that he can also uh, record sounds that he has heard with this helmet, and he uses that to summon Kyrdex when they end up getting trapped by uh, the droid forces kind of up on a on a pipe high over the city. And uh, he is able to summon those Kyrdex for them to escape on. Uh, and this is really kind of where we start to see these D-wing droids uh, show off the fact that they can fly as well because they end up they end up taking off in pursuit. 
Yeah, uh, quite an adaptation there. I remember when I first, you know, when first watching the Phantom Menace, and you would see the the ships that would fly that were basically, um, you know, going up against the the Naboo. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, you know, hey, droids can fly, you know, spaceships or whatever. It wasn't until I, I think it was Return of the Clone where. Um, or excuse me, Attack of the Clones, uh, where I actually saw, oh, these are actually just flying droids. Right. And so it totally made sense that you could kind of mutate a standard battle droid with some sort of wings and and make them be uh, a very, you know, distinctive fighting machine that could fly and fight on the land as well. Yeah. Uh, so when they end up getting to this Politech uh, village, the Politechs are impressed that that they have somehow managed to tame these Kyridecs. So they clearly hold these beasts in high regard. And uh, I'm guessing that, you know, taming them is kind of a rite of passage for them. But he's very upset that they have showed back up at their village. And in his mind, they're bringing the war with them. Um, but the interesting thing here is that, uh, you know, Rex basically stands up and says, look, the, you know, the techno union has chosen a side in this war a long time ago. They claim that they're, uh, that they are not taking a side one way or the other, but they clearly are. All right. Tell him he's right, Tick. Tell him we didn't plan to drag his people into war, but look what the separatists did to one of our people. They took away his freedom. His humanity. They tried to turn him into a machine. Basically, he is able to convince the Politechs to side with the clone troopers and the Jedi and to help them kind of fend off this attack that Wat Tambor sends their way, including two of these uh, cool new droids that we see called Octoptara Magnetridroids which are enormous, kind of like uh, almost sort of uh, the War of the Worlds 2000-whatever film uh, type droids. They were really uh, distinctive and certainly deadly to the uh, to the troopers and the villagers uh, in trying to fend them off. That's so funny because that was exactly my take on them when I saw them as well. I'm like, oh, those look like the War of the Worlds <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. uh, bots that were coming down. And, you know, if only the uh, actual environment, the actual atmosphere would have affected them as, as much as it did the War of the Worlds. <laughs> but no disintegrations. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I love that we're, you know, we've gone so far into this and yet we're still seeing new droids come in that we've never seen before. It just, it, it, it adds another dimension to this series and to the war itself. Yeah. And kind of the end of this episode. So certainly the Politech uh, people and, and their chief uh, are very thankful for the fact that Skywalker and the, and the clones had helped rally and defend their village uh, promises that they will always be there to support the Jedi. Uh, but it kind of, uh, it ends on this very nice little scene between Rex and Echo where Rex is really apologizing to Echo for not having been able to to rescue him sooner and it'll be just like old times and as he turns to board the the shuttle uh, Echo repeats that but you know the look on his face is one of those moments where I was kind of like is he really all there or is he still uh, in some way being controlled by the separatists so they yeah. they kind of leave that on a cliffhanger as well yeah, again, there were so many subtle nods to, you know, he's obviously mostly on this side, but are all his allegiances to it. Um, and again, I mean, really, I mean, if you look at the Clone Wars themselves as a, as 
an entire, I mean, what side should you be on? I right. mean, really, there is no, I mean, the, the, both sides are being controlled by Darth Sidious, you know, and, and so there's arguments actually for both sides to be fighting for both sides. When you look at it, because the Jedi are on one side and because you see the Sith mostly on the other side, okay, you think this is good versus evil. But and it's one of the great things about the Clone Wars is it delves much more deeply into what side is right. You know, there are arguments both ways when you can see things from another point of view and even some of the people that you know were full on well, within the republic start seeing a little bit of the cracks and why maybe we're not fighting for what is exactly correct here with the republic so yeah. it just again we we can't you know i, I mean obviously if you're probably listening to this you're probably watching clone wars and you've probably watched other episodes of the clone wars but if for some reason you're listening to this and you have not delved into it you've questioned it, it's animation it's not my thing whatever the case may be trust us in the fact that it provides so much more depth for what goes on in the films and goes on in within the star wars universe itself where well, you really really should watch this show yeah, I feel like we've had probably like half the episodes that I've done for uh, for Jedi Temple Archives where we bring up that same type of thing uh, in one way or the other, whether it's Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, but again, this this is the format that you get the most episodes, the most time for them to really uh, spend time with these characters and kind of delve into their underpinnings and their drives and, and their hopes and all those things. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're going to see a lot of success with uh, the shows that are coming out on Disney Plus is that, again, it gives them so much more runway to uh, to tell a story without having to rush it over the course of a two or three uh, film arc or, you know, it's obviously typically three with star Wars, uh, with at least the, the Skywalker saga. But, um, in the future, I don't know, I, they may break away from that, um, and do shorter or longer, uh, sets of films, but I still think that Disney plus is going to be a huge, uh, tool for them to use to kind of build out those storylines. I don't think there's any question. I mean, I think it, and I think it's the perfect vehicle for that. Uh, the fact that you can, uh, there, there are going to be so many storylines where you, you, I mean, some things you can get to within a two, two and a half hour movie or whatever the case may be. But there's some many times where you want to approach these things so much more in depth. They get so much more character development that a, you know, even a, even a four season series or whatever the case may be can really attack it. Uh, you know, I mean, how many of us, I mean, yeah, we could sit through Avengers Endgame and sit through a three hour film, but are you going to sit through a six hour film or an eight hour film or whatever? Well, this is, you can approach it in a much slower, uh, more developmental uh, manner and, and explore things much more deeply. And again, the Clone Wars, I, I, you know, there's so many people that have just seen the films that really knock the prequel trilogy and, you know, for good reason, you know, but when you have seen these, and I, you know, I, I, well, it's always this love letter to the Clone Wars whenever right. we get on these episodes. Uh, <laughs> when you've seen these and you go back and watch those films, you can enjoy them so much more because you know the depth behind some of these characters even if they're not maybe portrayed or written as well as they possibly could be within the films. Yeah. I actually just listened to, uh, to an episode, uh, with the guys from conversations and Charles, uh, from that podcast was telling basically the same type of story that he had deferred watching a lot of the clone wars. It just wasn't his style of animation, blah, blah, blah. But he had been encouraged to by, by his co-host Pat. And, uh, once he had watched it, it, 
made all the difference in the world in terms of watching the prequel films because you just understood the characters so much more. Uh, you'd had time to to see the types of things occurring that they would only talk about uh, in dialogue in those films, and you just kind of had to trust to it. So uh, I totally agree with your with your thoughts on that, and I would encourage anyone out there who has not watched any of the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels um, to, if you really want to get more enjoyment out of your Star Wars films, definitely check those out. Yeah, and so the last episode in this four-episode arc really deals with them kind of wrapping up uh, the loose ends, and you've got uh, Admiral Tench, who, or Trench, sorry, Tench, I've been watching Black Sails again, uh, Admiral yeah. Trench, who is on his flagship kind of above Anaxis, and the Republic forces are basically trying to figure out uh, how they can how they can end this siege on Anaxis, and uh, Echo comes up with a plan where he wants to basically board that dreadnought above Anaxis access and kind of feed some false data through the computer systems to the separatists so that they can get on board they can uh, take out trench and they can also uh, shut down all of the droids um, that are amassing kind of on the surface of an axis and it, again it becomes a time where echo really wants to you know to be part of this attack and rex is a little concerned that he may not be ready yet but Mace Windu uh, is pretty much on board with Echo being a part of this uh, part of this attack. Yeah, uh, Mace believes in it. Um, yeah, Rex is trying to protect his friend. You know, you don't look like he still looks pretty gaunt. Still looks like he's uh, not recovered from his, you know, being like I said, plugged into the Matrix for so long. Uh, but this is the best way to approach this. So Windu is all behind it, and yet the the Bad Batch is still, you know, eh, I don't know about this guy. It's nice you say it. It's nice that Rex backs him and all, but uh, this could really put us a danger but uh yeah uh, echo wants to help and gets him right in there and uh, and does so yeah it's also interesting here that uh you know you get a little bit more of a look into the into the mind of watt tambor because had he been willing to report to admiral trench that that he had lost echo and that their source of intel had been uh been taken away by the republic um none of this plan would have ever worked out but he was very much watt tambor was very much unwilling to admit his his defeat uh, and the fact that he had kind of botched up this part of the plan. So he was hiding that. And that ultimately is what unlocked the door for everything that follows within this episode. Yeah. I mean, the, basically the, the fact that, you know, they they were kind of supposed to be riding the fence, as you brought up earlier, you know, on on which side of this we're on. Basically, they were trying to profit out of both both sides. But in truth, they were much more on the uh, separatist side of this obviously by the fact that they had had echo there they were feeding all this information to uh them so when they saw that this uh possibly this asset had gone away and that that could really i mean more, more than anything else they just wanted the funding you know <laughs> let's be honest they wanted the funding from both sides but especially from the separatists that may cut back on their funding uh they're like well we're just going to keep this quiet and hope it doesn't come back to bite us but obviously it did yeah and so basically this is kind of a an episode where the republic forces kind of split into two groups so you've got anakin skywalker rex echo and the bad batch all taking off aboard uh, that Havoc Marauder shuttle uh, that the Bad Batch had and taking off to board the Dreadnought, the flagship of Admiral Trench. Uh, and meanwhile, Obi-Wan and Mace Windu were the ones who were going to launch the attack on this factory, which was the uh, quote-unquote main battle that Echo was uh, feeding information about to the Admiral. And so 
you know, get their eyes looking over here. They board the flagship uh, and they're able to eventually fight their way to the bridge where Anakin ends up having a pretty dramatic um, interaction with Admiral Trench, who who is pretty cocky uh, and doesn't really think that Anakin can do anything that's going to hurt him. Yeah, he's, he's relying on the fact that, uh, you know, hey, Anakin's a Jedi, so, you know, there's only so much he's going to do. Well, we all know with Anakin, uh, things plays a little different game, and he maybe crosses those lines every once in a while, and, uh, well, I'm not going to give it away, but, you know. <laughs> Well, we'll just go ahead and say that there are, there are definitely some lines crossed. Um, uh, but you know, the, the I really said that without saying it there, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and again, this is another great look at, at the dark, uh, that is kind of slowly consumed Anakin over the course of now a number of seasons. And as you said, I mean, we had been seeing it even as far back as, uh, the attack of the clones film, uh, when he goes, off on that village of uh tuscan raiders that had had kidnapped and killed his mother uh and really had no regrets about that and so this is really just more of an example of the fact that when it was emotion very strong emotion that triggered that effect uh on him back in attack of the clones it is now a situation where even when he has the upper hand uh, he is still just kind of giving into his anger, even when it may be not necessary, um, just because that is what he feels like he, he is entitled to do. Yeah, I mean, he's always played loose and fast with, uh, you know, some of the Jedi rules, per se, some of the Jedi creed, per se. And uh, he definitely is going over the edge uh, often within uh, the Clone Wars, including this situation here, you know, but the one thing about it is, again, and we're going back and uh, why do I keep doing this? Uh, you go back to watching the films and it seems like a, such an extreme move for him to to go so dark so quickly, but, and you don't see him as yeah. this, even though he's been talked about so much as this hero uh, for the Republic, uh, the Jedi Order so often, you know, the Clone Wars really does showcase that. I mean, we, we we're talking about him uh, stepping over the line again within this uh, episode, but there are so many times that he fights for what's right and he does become a hero. And yes, he does uh, uh, break the rules many times, but uh, a lot of times with good cause and good results. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, Clone Wars, I, uh, I don't know why I even keep saying this. You guys are all watching it, but keep <laughs> it. Go back and rewatch it because it's amazing. On a scale of one to ten, it's an eleven. Right. Exactly. We've gone one louder. Um, yeah. And so the the end of this episode uh, is really poignant in the sense that you know the Bad Batch have completed their mission. They're heading off. They don't care about medals. They don't care about ceremonies. Uh, and and before they leave, they tell. Uh, echo that, you know, you're one of the finest soldiers we've ever fought with. Um, 
and certainly you are worthy to join us. Uh, you know, it may not be what you want to do right now, but if you ever feel like, you know, that, that it's the right thing for you, just find us and, uh, and we'd be happy to have you. And this is kind of one of the points, um, that I started to notice that, you know, Echo has got this skull emblem on his, um, armor as well, uh, which, you know, was, was kind of, foretelling, I guess, what was going to happen in this moment. Uh, but to Rex's credit, he is able to pick up on the fact that that this trooper who has been a friend and a brother to him basically his whole life um, no longer feels like he really fits in with the regular clone commandos. And he essentially gives him his blessing to go off and join the Bad Batch if he feels like that's the right thing for him to do. And ultimately, uh, Echo does go and join them. And that's really where the uh, the arc of this particular story ends. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't fit in anymore and he doesn't feel like he fits in anymore. He's been a part of the uh, Republic Army for so long and then away from it for so long that, uh, you know, and there's things about him that are different. He's got all these uh, different uh, droid attachments to him or whatever, just like the Bad Batch felt like they didn't necessarily fit in with the kind of status quo uh, within this clone army, within the Republic Army. Uh, they saw the same things within echo yet they know that he can help them in many regards because of the this fact of, of what he's gone through uh what has happened to him uh his experience and uh they're happy to welcome him within their group yeah uh so that basically wraps up the the arc with the bad batch as i mentioned uh this was really interesting because it wasn't wasn't necessarily an arc I was super excited about. I, I know what's coming with the Siege of Mandalore, and uh, I always felt like Ahsoka was a great character and was really looking forward to see more of her. But this was certainly something that I thought turned out to be a very important setup, I guess, for the rest of the season, just showing um, that the clones themselves, and, and I know we've talked about this in other episodes, but the clones themselves had a lot of individuality for for beings that were all built off the same DNA. And the Bad Batch definitely just took that one step further. Uh, and it just goes to show that, you know, you've got these, these beings that were created for the sake of fighting this war. Um, but we've also talked about the fact that there were certain members of the Jedi Order that looked at them no different than battle droids and other members of the Jedi Order who had very deep uh, personal attachments to them. And I think that that is kind of a harbinger of some of the things that we're going to see later on in this season. Yeah, I think especially when you talk about Rex, I think, you know, we know, you know, from a little bit that happens in the future. If you've seen Star Wars Rebels, you know that there's some things going on with Rex that uh, are different than maybe some other of uh, the clones out there. And, you know, showing much more of him, uh, you know, willing not to just follow orders, which he's always been the case with Rex, but especially refreshing your memory on that, that he is looking out for his friends, uh, that he, you know, yes, he is a good soldier at the time, but he also... Uh, does have this part of him that will buck the system if needed. And then much of that may have come from all his exposure to Anakin and Ahsoka, who he's teamed up with for so many missions and uh, so many battles um, that, you know, th it leads to what we're going to probably see coming up here as, as we know in the next several runs of episodes. And, and yes, uh, I was excited. I, I, you know, I mean, look, they've, from 
the beginning of it, part of this was uh, showcasing that Ahsoka returns, you know, from the yeah. very first teaser trailer that uh, we were going to get season seven of the Clone Wars coming back. Uh, we knew that that was a big part of it. So, of course, you know, when you, when you first start the series, you're like, oh, Ahsoka's not here yet. Uh, but then you watch this group of episodes and you learn about these new clone trooper group, you know, and you and you see how this progressed and, and, and you can see how this is going to feed in what's to come. And I found it a, a very interesting and satisfying uh, arc, which is funny because that's really what the Clone Wars is throughout it. You know, there's there's different uh, arcs that go through, you know, little three and four uh, episode arcs. And some, you know, are kind of funny and silly. Some are really in depth and, and, and you just kind of uh, muddle, but they all get to a point when it's all said and done. And I think that's exactly where uh, this one led as well. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's going to cover it for this particular arc. I would definitely encourage anyone that's watching uh, Clone Wars season seven and maybe hasn't watched a lot of the other animated uh, content that we've got out there. If you really want to get more out of it, uh, there's some episodes that we've done in the past. Certainly we've got a couple episodes on Ahsoka. Um, I would say the first episode on Ahsoka, the, the kind of Clone Wars era Ahsoka stuff uh, would be very useful to go brush up on. Uh, hold off on the second one until season seven's over. Um, and then we've also got the episodes where we talk about why you really should consider watching Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, where we go into a little bit more in depth uh, about what the the key things about those are and what what makes them such great series. So I would check those out. Um, maybe hold off on Rebels until after season seven as well. Um, but I think that will uh, go a long way toward kind of prepping you for what is yet to come within season season seven of the Clone Wars. It's so funny. You know, I'm obviously we know that the Jedi Temple Archives podcast is the podcast that doesn't make you feel like a jerk. But I also think it's a podcast that wants to make you watch Clone Wars and Rebels <laughs> and we're going to keep hammering it at you until you do. This is good. <laughs> this is good advice. You feel like a jerk about it at the same point. Yeah, I mean, if you're sheltering in place anyway, you may as well go do it. You're going to have plenty of time to catch up on all this stuff um, and it'll keep you sane until you're allowed to go back out in public again. So That's right. We're looking out for you. Absolutely. That's yeah. what we're here for. Oh, Tom, thank you so much for uh, joining me again this week. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it for us this week. Do you want to go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you in the Hyperion Adventures podcast so they can find out about what uh, what a Disney cruise is like uh, on the verge of the zombie apocalypse? Yes, that was a very interesting uh, Disney cruise that we just uh departed here uh, about a week ago and uh, uh, first of all I just want to say it's so, so great to be back on the show with you Rob I'm looking forward to uh, being on again as a more frequent contributor uh, move forward here what else do I have to do right now right uh, but anyway if you want to listen to the podcast that I do with my wife Michelle we do kind of a Disney focused podcast but we also talk about things like Star Wars Marvel uh, we talk about the parks we talk about the cruise line and yes our most recent episode uh, was all about recapping our very very interesting Panama Canal uh, Disney cruise that we just got off and you can find us uh, pretty much everywhere you get podcasts over the very best place to find us is on our own website hyperionadventurespodcast.com and if you want to follow us on social media you can find us on twitter at hyperion podcast and on facebook instagram and pinterest at hyperion adventures podcast 
Awesome. Well, I'm going to be talking with you in just a few hours. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a little guest spot on Wookie Radio tonight. So definitely take a take a uh, a gander and see if you can find that episode if you want to hear more from us. Um, I've also been doing some guest spots on some other live streams. Uh, we did one with Followers of the Force last Wednesday, I want to say, uh, and then last Friday uh, we had a live stream with um, Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Podcast and, and a few other folks, including Charles from Conversations. So um, definitely go check those out. They would be on their YouTube pages, both for followers of the force and for uh, Scarif Podcast. And uh, it's just kind of what we're doing when we're not making podcasts that go directly in our feed. So uh, always plenty of ways to, to get additional information uh, from me specifically. Uh, and as Tom said, I'm looking forward to having him on a lot more frequently for the JTA podcast stuff. And as always, you can find us on our website at jtapodcast.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us on email at jta podcast at gmail.com on our social media facebook twitter instagram and pinterest at jta podcast and on our new voicemail at 201-746-5827 that's 201-746-jtap and uh, definitely leave us a message we'd love to play it on the show let us know what you guys want to hear episodes about love to uh to be able to deliver some stuff that you guys are specifically looking for and uh, as always, just hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, and uh, doesn't go completely insane in the shelter in place. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it. Uh, you guys have a great week, and may the force be with you.